chapter number 3. And I'm going to begin reading in verse number 17. If anybody need to come in, go ahead and have them come in now so that uh, um, we can go ahead and get started. Amen. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 17. Are you there? Amen. Now, I'm going to read uh, several passages of scriptures here this morning, but our focus verse within this passage is going to be verse number 20. It's going to be verse 20, but I'm going to read uh, from verse 17 for continuity's sake. It says, Brethren, join in following my example and note that those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for some Savior, for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this moment, Lord. We thank you for everything that you've done this weekend, God. We had a fabulous weekend because of your grace, because of your mercy. God, we thank you so much, God, for helping us and touching us today. Now, Father God, our attention, Lord God, is on you this morning. Will you please help us to hear God? Help us to understand, Lord, as we are called to be salt and light in our community. God, help us to determine and understand exactly what that means and what it calls for. Father, I pray for a revelation and a change of life. I pray lives will be transformed because of what they hear today, not because of me, but in spite of me, for your glory and your glory only. Give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated in the Lord's presence. A couple of weeks ago, we had began a new series entitled Hot Topics. And Hot Topics deals with those hot button issues that we all read and hear about in our local newspaper and media. Some of these topics are things that some may even say that a pastor or a church shouldn't even bother with. But how many know that the scriptures has answers for all aspects of life? And so in that first message uh, a couple of weeks ago, for those who were here, we dealt with uh, the issues with regard to um, police uh, brutality, uh, social injustice. And so we dealt with that head on. So if you didn't get that message, then you can download it from our website or you can go to our website and you can stream it. But we really dealt with something uh, that is very, very uh, sensitive uh, in our culture today. And uh, we gave you some practical solutions for what God expects from us and how to deal with those issues that surround us. And today, I want to jump right back into the fire. It doesn't get any easier today. But I'm going to talk about politics. Now, I know there are some of you right now that uh, you may be a little bit uneasy but um, I want you, before you prejudge me, I, I, I want you to have an open mind 
to the word of God. Because how many know in politics is where we live today? Many people have strong, strong feelings about politics. I mean, you can, you know, you, you, particularly think about men, for example. And we can talk about emotions, and we can talk about our wives. We can talk about spouses, and we can talk about, you know, those sensitive issues. But whatever, don't talk about my politics. Whatever you do, leave that alone. That's off. Don't touch that. And I have seen people get so angry that they can't even have a conversation. I've met uh, uh, a relative of mine who, who boastfully proclaims, and he says all the time, I believe that all Republicans are going to hell. I've heard people from both sides of the aisle talk about the other party like they are the Antichrist or the, that they represent the end of the world as we know it. This nation is very, very divided politically. And the question then becomes is, what do we as Christians, how do we handle this? Anybody want to know that? Does anybody in here want to know how to handle it? Do you want to know what God's word has to say about the issue? God's word is true. Talk to some people, they believe that in the beginning, God made Democrats and Republicans. You talk to some folks, that's the way they feel. Not understanding, many people don't, in case we've forgotten, America is a very young nation. We've only been here about, what, some over 200 years? And how many know that, uh, you know, our way of government is fairly new? When you look at the, the, the governments of the world, they've always had a dictator, somebody who's in charge, who runs the country. So our style of government is relatively new. But you talk to some folk, they, they, they declare up and down, God is a Republican, God is a Democrat, I'm sure of it. And some people will fight to the death. Christians will do the same thing. We will get to, man, and we will fight passionately with this thing. And what we discover is that even Christians sometimes are more dedicated to their political party than they are dedicated to God. Let me hasten to say this. God, and this may be a shock to some of you, God is not Republican. God is not Democrat. God is not a Tea Party member. God is not a libertarian. Hallelujah. He is king of kings and he is lord of lords. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. All governments will crush under his rulership. So we come from a place whereby we must understand that living in this culture, that we don't take things too seriously. We don't get to a point like some of our colleagues that can't even sit down and eat lunch unless he gets up and he begins cursing and yelling and screaming. And then the next minute, he's talking about how much I love Jesus. How many of you know that we must be more biblical than we are political? Jesus said this in John 17, 16. They are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. Understand that premise. That is so important. This is, Jesus prayed this prayer in John chapter 17. We, call it, we like to call it his high priestly prayer. And what Jesus was simply communicating is that, that, that we're not, this is not our home. Christians, 
We are not of this world. We're to be in the world, but not of the world. We are to engage. Don't get me wrong. We'll talk about that here in a moment. But our affinity and our allegiance is to Almighty God first. Don't get it wrong. Don't get it, please, I beg you, don't get it wrong. When God saved you, he saved you with a purpose. He saved you so that you might understand that we are here to influence the world for the sake of Christ. God did not send us, listen to me, to usher in a political party. God did not send us to fight to death to try and establish some kind of government. He sent us to preach the gospel. Politics is important, but the gospel is preeminent. The gospel is preeminent. It supersedes everything. Remember, they tried to get Jesus. Jesus, they tried to make him king. They tried to force him. Jesus, be king right now. Jesus, my kingdom is not of this world, because if my kingdom was of this world, my folk would have fought for me. They would have never let you put your hands on me. My kingdom is not of this world, and therefore, your kingdom is not of this world if you're part of the kingdom of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? We're not of this world. 1 Corinthians chapter number 7, verse 31. If you want to turn there, you can. I'll just read this verse. I want to keep moving, because I got quite a bit I want to say, and I want to try to get you out in a good hour. And it says that the fashion of this world is passing away. The fashion of this world is passing away. Not just of America, you hear this. This world system, the fashion of this world system is passing away. That means Democrats, Republicans, Independent, all the governments of the world, this whole world is passing away. Do you hear me? That God is not going to preserve any of this in the kingdom. Stay with me. My Bible's coming apart here. Stay with me. But the word of God never fails. Come on. It's in my heart, so you're still going to get it. And so, So the Bible says in Revelation 11, 15, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of Christ and he shall reign forever. That means all the kingdoms, this is what you know, all the kingdoms of this world, all the political systems of this world, all of them are going to crumble. Is anybody hearing me? They're going to crumble. So what that means is I can't take this stuff too seriously. You can't get to a point where you get so mad, I mean, you, you know, and that you just lose it because of how somebody vote. Listen to me. We want to be people that represent righteousness in the earth. But I'm trying to get you to see beyond a political platform or a political party. I'm trying to get you to raise your eyes beyond that because I want you to understand that God is far beyond that. How many of you want to be where God is? You want to be where God is. He says the fashion of this world is passing away. That means all of these kingdoms, the Bible says that in in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, the government will be upon his shoulders. Jesus. How many know that he is the one who is going to rule and reign forever and forever and forever? 
No government, no political party, none of it. So are you, getting, are you getting what I'm saying here? Now you're beginning to see the kind of perspective that we need to have. Philippians uh, chapter 3, verse number 20. This is a verse that I want to talk, talk to you about this morning. It says that our citizenship is in heaven. Look at that. Our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ. Is anybody waiting for Jesus Christ this morning? Our citizenship. Paul is reminding us of who we are. He said our citizenship is in heaven. That's, are you hearing me? Some of you act like you don't want to hear this, but you're going to get it. Because it's the truth. If you call yourself a Christian, there is no citizenship that supersedes the citizenship. My allegiance first is to God and not America. Now, I know I just really got some folk upset, but I would tell it wherever I go. My, I love America. America is a great nation. Hear me. I believe the greatest nation on the planet. I believe God raised our nation up to do good. I believe that there's no greater nation than America. I love this country. But my allegiance, first and foremost, is to him. My citizenship is in heaven. And Paul is reminding believers and he's reminding them to understand who they are and to remember who they are. That the citizenship of the kingdom supersedes whatever other citizenship there is. Are y'all hearing me this morning? First Peter chapter two, verse 11 says this. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims. Pilgrims is someone that's visiting from a foreign land. You know the way God looks at you? And you know what we, we should see ourselves? We're, we're pilgrims passing through. We have an agenda. Our agenda is the gospel. Our agenda is the gospel of the kingdom of God. See, he said, beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which wars against the soul. He said, abstain from getting angry, abstain from fleshly lust, abstain from all these things that everybody else is so entangled in. How many know that, as we said a couple of weeks, somebody need to be the adult in the room? And I believe that Christians must be the adult in the room. He said, I, he said I, I, Peter says, I beg you, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which wars against your soul. He said, abstain. In other words, maintain your focus. Understand that you're here temporarily. How many know that when you visit another country, for an example, when you visit another country, you're not all, you don't care a whole lot about their politics. Am I right about it? For the most part, you don't. I mean, you're there to visit and do what? <laughs> I'm paying you a visit, and I'm getting up out of here. Some of you have visited places you will never live. <laughs> it's nice to visit. I like some spots, but I got to go. Because you understand that I'm just here temporarily. I'm not here to build a tent. The Bible says that we are, we, we are pilgrims and strangers on the earth. That we're just here on the earth with an agenda. Our agenda and our allegiance is to Christ and Christ alone. And so 
and so Hebrews eleven thirteen says, and, and talking about the, the saints of old, these all died in faith, <laughs> not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. Look at this church were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. What will make Christians give up their, many of those Christians back in that, hear me, heads chopped off, they gave up their lives. Why did they do all that? Why were they so radical? Because they understood that I have a temporary stay here. I'm a pilgrim, I'm visiting, but I'm not, this is not home. How do you know that we got too many Christians acting like this is home? And this is why you get so emotional. And when you get so emotional, that emotional blindness will blind you to the capacity and and your ability to be able to share the gospel of the good news because you only see them through the lens of Democrat and Republican. So when you see them, I've had people say, you know, I hate such and such because they're a part of a party. And I'm sitting back and I'm thinking, brother, you are way way. You, you missed it. You way too deep. God is sovereign. Somewhere I read that God puts up one and puts one down. Somewhere I read that the, that, the, that the king's heart is in the hands of the Lord and he turns it whatsoever way he will. No matter who's in office, God is in control. I'm not worried about it. Doesn't matter who's in office. If he's in office, then God allowed him to be in office because God got a plan. How do you know he got a plan? Nothing happens by accident. But our focus needs to be, let's just keep preaching. Let's just keep preaching the gospel. Let's just keep preaching the gospel. Don't get caught up in all of that. Don't act like, oh, all hope. I've seen people, oh, God, all hope and love. He got elected. Oh, yeah. Oh. I'm like, please. Please, you Christian who say you love Jesus, please, your Christianity must extend beyond these four walls. It must be who you are 24-7. Are y'all hearing me? It must be. We can't come here, raise our hands and and, and do church and go back out there and act like we never heard the gospel. The gospel reigns. He's given us clear instruction. He said, you go into all the earth and preach the gospel. The gospel is what we are about. And listen, and whoever wants to hear it, we give it to them. I don't care what your political affiliation is. Doesn't matter with me. Doesn't matter with me. Look at this now. Matthew chapter number five says this. I, I tried to get away from this verse, but I couldn't because this verse probably goes... It's going to be like a theme verse throughout this whole series. He says, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. Y'all remember hearing this. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. But you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it out in a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. How many know that salt and light are active ingredients? He said, we're the light of the world. Get it. Not the light of just America. Not the light of whatever country you were born in if you weren't born from America. You are the light of the world. How many know God got a world view? 
He's after the peoples of the world. Some of you right now, you are so mad. Listen, some of us, we are so angry at Muslims or those who have an Islamic faith, you will never share the gospel with them because you believe all of them should be relegated to a bad place. Did God, God so loved the world. I'm going to preach it, good God. He loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He didn't just love one people group. God loved all people group. All people group. And if you call yourself a Christian, you ought to too. It doesn't matter if you're Hispanic, Latino. It doesn't matter if you're Islam, a Muslim. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. If your ears are open to the gospel, come to daddy. Come to me. I'm going to preach the good news to you. Because the good news saves. It saves, church. It saves everybody who want to hear it. Jesus says, whosoever come, let him come. Whosoever will. I believe we leave a lot of souls on the table because of our biases. They're not look, not, they, they don't look like me. They don't act like me. They don't talk like me. So we leave them alone. We never give the Holy Ghost a chance. And we still come here and pray, Lord, save us. Save this. Save that. Do we really want them saved? When's the last time you opened them? When's the last time you went into their environment? When's the last time you went into their environment and said, I mean, when, when have we done that? Let's go in some uncomfortable places and allow where well, you really, really, really got to trust in the power of God. God's power is in the uncomfortable places. I've discovered that, church. God's power is in the hard places. I've, I've, I've realized that over time. That when we really get down behind and we really become uh, uh, people that are committed to the gospel, and we're willing to suffer for it, there's grace and power in that. But you can't be hooked, and you can't, listen to me, you can't be so committed to your label that you can't hear the voice of God. I'm a part, I'm a part of this party. I'm a part of that. Listen, I'm not going to sit here and tell you what you should and shouldn't do, except you better make sure that kingdom first. And if you say you're a Christian, you ought to act like one. Act like one in our conversation. Act like one in our speech and how we treat those who are in authority. I remember when uh, George Bush, for example, was president. I remember hearing people just, oh, and they would say some horrible things. Horrible things. Horrible. Call them dumb and all Christians. And I'm sitting back, what, what, are you, what, are you, what are you doing? People say the same thing about Obama today. Just dis say things that are just horrific. And I sit back and I'm like, what are you doing? How many know that the Christians ought to always err where the Bible errs? We ought to always be where the word of God be. It doesn't matter if it happened to land on Democrat, if it happened to land on Republican, I'm going to be wherever the word is because that's where my allegiance is. Is anybody hearing this this morning? So salt and light is not, listen, Jesus, he wants us to engage. See, we're not to sit back and just hold each other's hand and have church on Sunday. Oh, what? Oh, oh, the separation of church and state. How many of you know the Constitution? You know, you read the Constitution, there is no such thing of separation of church and state. It's not in there. Go look it up in the First Amendment. It's not there. But the enemy has used that to try to silence you to say that you keep your biblical beliefs out. 
Don't you, it's another way to try to silence us. See, how many know that? Let me, some of you look like a, a pastor, I don't really believe it. Okay, in the First Amendment, it says this. Congress shall make no law, listen to this, church. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. That's what the Constitution says. And nothing about separation of church and state. That came along later when Jefferson wrote a letter and he said those words. But even when Jefferson said it, he said it to protect uh, our ability to speak, not to silence us. It was never meant by the founding fathers of our nation that we ought to have no influence as Christians. Never, that was never meant to be the case. But too many folk don't know and they are just silent. It's not, I mean, many of the, our founders, you go back and read the Constitution. I love to go to, how many of you like to go to D.C.? and visit them all, and, and, and you know, I mean, many of our, our, our the, the, the founders of our country, they were deeply, deeply religious, deeply loved God. I believe what George Washington said, it's impossible to govern without the word of God in the Bible. Abraham Lincoln had a strong passion and a, and a love for God. Many of, our, many of our founders, they loved God. They never would have dreamed of what we're seeing today. We're trying to push it. Christians, you're not supposed to talk. Number one, the Constitution don't say it. It's not true. Secondly, God commands you to do it anyhow. God commands you to preach the gospel. And he's, Jesus said that when he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He said it knowing that they were going to be going into environments that were going to oppose them. Many of them would get beat down. Many of them would get locked up. Many of them would get arrested. Many of them got killed. He said, preach the gospel, yes, in those environments. Don't you keep quiet. How many know that God is not raising up a church of wimps? He's raising up a people who will be radical and stand on the word of God no matter what. Even when everybody else is turning, I'm staying with God. I'm going to stay with God. I don't care what it is. Some of us, sometimes we embrace a political platform. Well, 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 you know, uh, uh, well, it doesn't, that's, not, that's not a big issue. That's not a big deal. Can I say this? Whatever God says is a big deal is a big deal. Are you hearing me? Okay, let me, let me, let me, let me do this. Let me do this. So how do we engage in our, in our governments, politics, and world systems as Christians? That's why we want to talk about this. How do we engage? How do we engage? So we're called to be salt and light in the world. How do we engage? So we already understood that we're not simply just to sit back and just watch and do nothing and hope that, that, that everything just kind of work out. He said, you're the salt of the earth. That means that we gotta, we're expected to challenge some things. Are you hearing me? Wherever you go, you're expected to challenge belief systems that goes contrary to the word of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So number one, so how do we engage? Number one, here's, here it is right here. Vote on the issues. We only have a few of these. Vote on the issues. Not on a political party, on the issues. Because it's the issues that I care about. Are you hearing what I'm saying? For, uh, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5 says this. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought 
into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Every thought, every mindset. Some of us, if one political party even did a good thing, you wouldn't even acknowledge that because you're too dedicated to your party. We wouldn't, but because they're dislabeled, nothing they do would be good. And I'm telling you, when you start thinking like that, you're in too deep. You need to come up. You need to breathe. We need to be people. Hear me. We need to be people. Let's vote on the issue. So wherever, this, this is wisdom, church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is, so, wherever, so this means that we got to know what the Bible says about issues. And that's how we vote. We ought to challenge everything that don't represent Christ. Every thought and every argument. And when, listen, if you happen to vote for a party and they are promoting something wrong, you need to be the first one to step up and say, the Bible says. The first thing, all of us are supposed to do that. But if you believe that the separation of church, like the devil has lied, if you believe in the separation of church and state, which don't exist anyway, which is wrong, then you won't say anything because you, you've been trained not to say anything, to keep your mouth shut. The, the devil is a liar. We have been put on this planet to influence cities, nations, peoples. You can't do that being quiet. Why are you yelling? Because I'm passionate. So we need to vote on the issues. So whatever, listen, so whatever the issue is, I don't care what party you are, if the issue is right, if it's good, I'm going to support it. This is what Christians should do. And when it's wrong, we ought to call it out. Wrong. If you know what the Bible says, then we ought to say what the Bible says. Is anybody hearing that this morning? We need to vote on the issues. We need to vote on the issues. If the Bible says, for an example, the homosexuality is wrong, then who are we to say it's not? God said it's wrong. I know I just hit another hot button issue. But you see, I'm one of those pastors I just preach to you. I'm dedicated to the Bible. I got to sleep at night. And I know what the Bible says about those issues. And, and, and hear me. I love all people. Just like God loves all people. But love leads. The Bible says love rejoices in truth. You will know the truth, and the truth does what? Not me perpetuating a lie. That ain't going to help you. But you listen to the world, they're trying to normalize what God says is wrong. We need to vote on the issues. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Number two, we need to major on the gospel and evangelism. How many know that if you're a Republican or a Democrat, if you don't know Jesus, you're going to end up in the same place? Last I checked, your political party ain't going to save you. Some of you right now, you're getting ready. You're, getting, you're hearing this for the first time. Listen, I'm, I'm, everything I'm saying is biblical. Your political party, let me know, look up Democrat and Republican. See if I tell you what, what the scripture says, Democrat, Republican in the Bible. Look it up. Which, it, 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 in the beginning, the God created who? <laughs> political parties don't save you. It's the gospel that saves. It's the gospel that saves. It's preaching the word of God that saves. In every sector of society, that's what saves people. That's what's going to help people. And if we keep silent with that, then we can't change anything because we become part of the problem instead of the solution. You hear what I'm saying? John MacArthur once said this. 
John MacArthur, so some of you may know him, some of you may not know him. But he said this, when the church has focused on evangelism and preaching the gospel, her influence has increased. But when the church seeks power through politics, culture, or military activism, she has spoiled or damaged her testimony. Unquote. It's the gospel. Everywhere I go, it's the gospel. Any nation I go into, it's the gospel. The gospel is who we are. It's not just something that we say is what we live. It's who we are. It's what we do as Christians. Is this helping anybody here this morning? I know it's a hard word, and I was radical. I was bold to come up here and do this. But, you know, I, I pray hard, and I'm like Teflon. Can't, you can't touch this this morning. I was ready for you. I'm telling you, I was ready. I was ready. I was ready. So we need to major on the gospel. I'm preaching the gospel to every Republican and every Democrat and everybody else, whatever your political, I don't care about your political affiliation. If I can get you saved, I'm good. That's all I want to see because that's what God cares about. That's why we had Mayfest. You want to know why we had, at the end of the day, we want people to come into this love that we have. To come, you who are empty, who, who have no food, and, and, and you who are lonely, only in, come and, and buy food and, and, and buy all the goodness. Get it, for, don't buy, get it for free. Come get it for free. He says, come unto me, all you labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You will find that I'm meek and lowly as, as spirit. Come to me, Jesus says. It's a coming to Jesus to help people. Some of you right now, you're really honest. You, you, you are so dug in, you can't even hear what I'm saying this morning. That's why I had to pray that your eyes would be open to truth. Look at this, number three. Pray for all, no matter what their political affiliation. <laughs> pray for all. Boy, that's a big one right there. I ain't going to pray for him. I'm going to pray to God, take him off the earth. <laughs> I already, I know what y'all, some of y'all are thinking right now. I know it. First Timothy, yeah, First Timothy chapter 2. How do you know the Bible have answers for this? I'm, I'm giving you a scripture. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 2 says, Therefore, I exhort first of all the supplications and prayers and intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men and women. For kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Pray for all. He says for all. Everybody say all. all. Republican, Democrat, Independent, Libertarian, and whatever else that's coming up on the horizon. Pray for every one of them. If you believe God's soul, if you believe that God loves souls, you'll pray for everyone. Whether, listen, it doesn't matter who gets elected next time. Once they get in the office, I'm going to pray like crazy for them. I'm going to pray that they get to know Jesus. I'm going to pray that God open their eyes to truth. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. Pray for them. And he said, for, for all people, watch this, and for all who are in authority, how many know that you need to pray for President Obama? He's the president. He's your president. He's your president. Pray for him. And where he missed the mark, pray harder for him. But pray for him. Because this is what God wants. Are you hearing me? I didn't get a whole lot of amens on that. 
but it's the truth anyhow. Pray for him. For kings and all, the Bible says all who are in authority. All of them. Pray for them. This is what Christians ought to be doing. We can't be out there just, just taking sides like that. How many know we need to be seen as people who are on the side of God? First and foremost, before anything else. Number four, and here's a big one. Only got like five or six of these. Number four, avoid foolish and hot arguments about politics. I got to confess, I've, I've jumped in that a couple of times myself. And it's foolish. And my brother, me and my brother, sometimes we'd go at it. Because he argues one point, and I try to tell him, man, you, you're too serious, too deep into it. If he was here, he'd tell you that today. He'd probably stop me. He'll, he'll have a conversation with y'all. But that's why he's way in, in upstate New York. I ain't even t- that's all I'm going to tell you. I ain't going to give you no more information. <laughs> but we need to avoid foolish and hot arguments about politics. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. Look, listen to this. Some of you maybe, maybe not even knew that this scripture is in the Bible. And a servant of the Lord. Who is a servant of the Lord? Raise your hand. I want to see. I want to. Oh, I see. Okay, now watch. He says, the servant of the Lord must not what? Y'all know what crawl is? But be gentle to a couple of folks that believe like I believe. Is that what it says? I'm just asking, let me, be gentle to who? Oh, darn it. Able to teach, patient, in humility. Everybody say humility. Humility. Correcting those who are in what? Opposition. Don't see it like you. If God permits, here's why you need to do it. Because if God permits, uh, if, if perhaps, uh, uh, I'm sorry, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. How many know that after you leave a conversation with anybody, they need to be able to walk away knowing that they can come to Christ if they want, and, and that they can come and talk to you about it if they want to do that. But if you leave the argument and you're both mad and you're angry at each other, then how many know that becomes a hindrance? So he says, servant of the Lord. So how many know we need to have a disposition of, I ain't here to fight? How many know that we can disagree politely and with humility and with grace? Because none of us got all the truth. And we got the word of God, you understand, but none of us see all correctly. You understand what I'm saying? We need God's grace. We need God's grace to be able to see. Many of us, we, we walk with blindness because of our own sin. The word of God is true. But sometimes we ain't. We're not always true to the word of God. We got biases that we have to deal with. Am I saying it right? All right? He's serving the Lord. That's not, I'm not going to get in an argument. I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to beat down. I'm not going to, listen, we don't need to be doing that. Because you know what happens? The minute we get down into that, we get so far, so much in the weeds, we can't really see what will really help them get out. What will pull us out? The gospel. That's what's going to deliver us. I believe the gospel is the only answer for all society. I don't believe anything else will help society. I believe it's the gospel only. Jesus died for it. He died for it. He died for it. And how many know we, all, we know that and so we ought to live it? 2 Timothy 2.16 says, but shun profane and idle babblings. 
but they will increase to more ungodliness. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, some people, they'll, 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 they'll shoot and kill over their politics, over their political beliefs. They'll get angry and mad and step out of line. We need to be careful. We need to understand who we are. Number five, we need to obey the laws of man. Everybody say obey. Amen. We're almost done. Second Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 15 says this. Therefore, submit yourself to every ordinance of man for, the, for whose sake? For the Lord's sake. Isn't that what it says? Whether to the king as supreme or to governors. I mean, 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. Verse 14, or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. So we ought to be people that obey laws. We ought to be people that respect the laws. As long as those laws do not uh, go against the laws of God, we are called to obey them. In Acts chapter 5, we don't have time to turn there, but Acts chapter 5, you know, the apostles, it got a serious beat down. You know why they got a beat down? Because they were preaching the gospel. And the government told them, don't preach it. And they said, and they, they, that thing was, um, we ought to obey God rather than man. We don't have to obey, listen to me, you're not obligated to disobey anything that goes contrary to what God's word says. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's where you draw the line at. But just because you have a petty disagreement or you don't like it, how many know we ought to obey? We ought to have a spirit of obedience. Obey the laws of man. God put authority and structure in place to protect us. Amen? Number six, finally. We need to aim to be known more as a Christian than as a political party affiliate. Aim to be known more as a Christian than a political party affiliate. I love this verse, 1 Peter 2.9. But you are, this is you, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. See, this is, you're different. A holy nation, uh, his own special people. Isn't that good? that you may proclaim, here it is, the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I mean, you are special. You are chosen. God says you are a holy nation. Again, our citizenship is where? It's in heaven. This is who I am. This is who we are. So we need to be known first as a Christian that loved God before anything else. Now, now, this is just one of my things. This is just Pastor Bailey, okay? This is just me. This is why I don't put no bumper stickers on my car. Now, some of you don't put bumper stickers on your car for other reasons because you don't want no scratches on it. I get that. My van is so jacked up. I can put anything. It doesn't matter. You, but but why, why do I do that? Because I don't want, because there are stigmas and labels that are attached. And there are, I don't want nobody to not come to Christ because they think I'm more dedicated to that than I am to him. So I don't put bumper stickers on my car. I'm not saying that you can't. I'm not judging you if you do. That's up to you. I'm not, listen, you're under grace. Amen. You can do that. I'm, that's fine. But as for me, this is why I don't do it. I want to be known first as a Christian, and I don't want anything to get in my way. 
I don't want people to look at me because, you know, some people look at you and they put that label on you and they stay away from you. I want to give everybody a chance to come to Christ. I want to get out of the way. I want to let my biases get out of the way. I want to be free so that I can help somebody else get free. Is that, is that okay? Come on, you received that this morning. Give God a praise. You received it this morning. <laughs>